0: it's a between you and me podcast a production of kexe i'm heidi holton with chelsea perkins hi heidi Hi. We're here to talk about an interview we did recently because another of our elected officials was in Greater Minnesota post-legislative session to kind of tout the changes. Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon was in town.
1: And the Secretary of State, of course, has many duties that Mm -hmm. seem sometimes disparate. But one of the duties, one of the things that's the most important, really, that the Secretary of State oversees is the elections process in the state.
0: That's right. You know, there are a lot of changes to election law in 2023 to make it even more accessible to people. That's what some people think. Other people think otherwise of what some of the changes that are happening. You know, you can check a box when you go and get your driver's license about registering to vote, but now it will automatically happen unless you say no. okay. So there's some things like that that's going to impact other agencies in the state, too. They're going to have to do a lot more work. And so there's funding that had to come in for that. For the Department of Transportation, it might even affect the public safety and different things. So it's interesting to note um, some of the changes. I know I've told... Secretary Simon in the past said I always have this vision of him when I get a chance to talk to him is having like a big foam finger like he's at a twins game that we're number one in the nation (laughs) for voting. And he's he's such a nerd of voting that he's like, absolutely, I'd wear that finger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I've interviewed um, Steve Simon
1: as well, myself. Um, my interviews came, unfortunately, in the midst of what, hap- what was some controversial things that were happening uh, with people upset about the 2020 election results in Crow Wing County and things like that. But he was so good at explaining. I mean, that's the one thing about elections that I think can can get people tripped up, is that it can be very complicated. Just all of the the things that happen behind the scenes. Right, I mean, right. when you go in the ballot box and fill out your ballot, that shouldn't be complicated, no, right? No. But when it comes to how things are counted and where and by whom and right. and what sort of processes are required to ensure integrity of the vote and man, that stuff can get real technical real quick. So it's good to have someone who is able to explain that in a more normal yeah. like human language.
0: Yeah, and probably one of the biggest misnomers is that it's the Secretary of State's office that's counting the ballots. Right, and they do not. Yeah. It is our as he puts it, it's our friends and neighbors. 30,000 people needed to be election judges in the state of Minnesota. Um it's a paid position, not volunteer. He'll he'll state that here, but um it's something I've always dreamed. I'm I'm this is the big nerd I am. I've had f- jury duty once and I'm I'm still a little mad like why haven't I been called again? Um, and I would love to be an election judge, but I'm I'm always covering elections, so that's <laughs> oh I just God, don't I, have the time to do that. Were we separated at birth? <laughs> <laughs> because I have never had jury
1: duty and it makes me so mad that i've that i've never had it and also election judging i can't be an election judge right right it's like the super bowl for journalists right Right. so i have to be there that's the day that i work like 18 hours straight and eat pizza for all meals yeah i can't be an election judge but it'd be fun
0: yeah (laughs) well here's what i'm gonna recommend though um if you can do it You should get involved because the folks that are there, wonderful people that are just putting their time in there, you get paid a little bit. But we, at least for me, every time I've ever voted, it's people much older than I am that are there that really care about this. It's starting to be a little bit younger, but we need more people to get involved and to make sure that our local elections, our statewide, federal elections, it's all done right at your uh, polling place and district that's the beauty of it Mm -hmm. honestly is it's decentralized so there
1: it's much much more difficult to mess with a an election when you have it happening in hundreds and thousands of different places all across the state than having a centralized spot where all of that work is
0: happening and that's the whole point of it take a listen here to my conversation with minnesota secretary of state steve simon The 2023 legislative session has been described by Democrats as transformational, generational, and historic. Republicans in both the House and Senate use different words, according to Post. They describe the bills passed into law as partisan, overreach, and bonkers. Included in what got passed was codified abortion rights, paid family and medical leave, transgender rights protection, restoration of voting rights, wider voter access, and more. This week, Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon is hitting the road to talk about the new laws when it comes to elections. He'll be meeting with folks in Itasca and St. Louis counties, and he is back with us on KAXE, KBXE. Welcome, Secretary Simon.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So I want to give you a chance to describe what the session and what what got passed into law means to your job in terms of elections.
2: Well, it was an extraordinary legislative session when it comes to democracy and elections and voting. Really great. Once in a generation changes that's going to, that are, I think, going to make our already excellent system even better. Um, one of the reasons that Minnesota is always, if not number one, then close to number one in the country uh, for voter turnout is um, that we have had really good laws on the book that help guide that process that are very pro-voter access, but at the same time maintain a high level of voter security and integrity. And I think we've added to that this um, legislative session. So just for your listeners, as an example, um, things like uh, automatic voter registration, um, which basically is kind of a, a, a small change to what we already have, where when, when under current law, when you go and get your driver's license and renew your driver's license, you can already sign up to vote. This just makes sure that unless you say anything, you're presumed to want to register the vote and you can always opt out. It makes our system cleaner. It makes the voting rolls more accurate. It means we can get at people and screen them and filter them a whole lot earlier than we can now. So it expands the integrity of our system. We have pre-registration for 16 and 17-year-olds, which again is just adding to what we already have in law, where those who are 17 but will be 18 by the time of the next election can already register. Here it's just pre-registration, which simply means that 16 and 17-year-olds can get in line, fill out all the stuff and the forms, and then if everything checks out, if they're filtered and screened and they're eligible to vote, then on their 18th birthday, they'll be in the system. Um, So those are some of the examples of the things that we passed this last session. Oh, I, I guess I would add uh, uh, restoring the right to vote to people who have left prison behind. I'm talking about people who years, sometimes decades ago, have left all that behind. And a judge and a jury has determined that they're good enough and safe enough and worthy enough to be walking around with the rest of us. This is something that's good for everyone. So these are changes, I should add, that are nonpartisan in origin and nonpartisan in effect there is no uh, particular uh, advantage for any political party. And we know that because these are things that have been tested and tried in other states where that's the case. So this is going to put us on a really good, secure path. It's where we're used to being in Minnesota. We're high performers, but this is going to put us in an even better place.
0: Can you explain a little bit more about um, what, what people who had been incarcerated in their lifetime um, faced before and then how this is going to change. I think there's been some confusing information about that, not necessarily in Minnesota, but you know, if you're watching national media, there's a lot of misinformation on on this topic. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, we're part of a trend here. We're we've now joined, I think we're the twenty third, twenty-fourth state, something like that, to do this. North Dakota's been doing it for years. Iowa's moving in that direction, Florida states like Indiana, Kentucky, states of various sort of political leanings, left, right, red, blue. And the rule in Minnesota had been that you only get your right to vote back not only once you're out of prison, which would be years or decades ago, but once you're, as they say, off paper, meaning you're no longer on probation or any other kind of condition. Well, The, 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 the challenge there has been, In Minnesota, you get people who were on probation for years and decades. There's one woman um, who has been at some of the uh, events talking about this legislation, who in her late 20s was convicted of a drug crime. She made a terrible mistake. Um, And she was on probation for 40 years. 40. She would not have had the right to vote back until she was 71 years old. Out among us all working, living, paying taxes, on the highways, all the rest, but for four decades, had we not changed this law, she wouldn't have been able to vote. And that really doesn't make much sense. That's why so many other states have moved there. Hey, a bright line rule, if you're in prison, yep, you don't get that right. But the minute someone, a judge or a jury, has determined that you're worthy enough and safe enough and good enough, not me, not you, not your listeners, but the people who know the case and have heard the birth of testimony, they've made the determination that this person, yeah, they're safe enough. They're worthy enough. Then I think that person deserves to have a say in what's going on. And by the way, this isn't just some good deed for someone else. There are a ton of studies out there that show that when people feel that sense of investment, that sense of ownership with things like voting, they're far less likely to reoffend and end up back in prison. So. It's a win-win. This is something that's good for everyone.
0: Let's talk about some of the new laws when it comes to protection of election administration. Um, What, Who is protected? How will this change things, do you think?
2: Yeah, well, I think everyone would agree that when it comes to people running our elections, whether that's the full-time folks in county or city or township offices, or whether it's the folks who help out on election day as election judges or poll workers, They deserve to do their job, to put on our elections, to count the ballots in an environment that is free from harassment or threats or intimidation. I think we can all agree on that. I think that's 100% to 0%. Um, But there's been a disturbing national trend, and we're not immune from that trend in Minnesota, where there has been um, some disturbing um, conduct and behavior around people who are engaging in that work. I can give you examples from Minnesota. This isn't just theoretical. I, I talked with one head of elections in one county. I won't name the person or the county, but that person said that she herself was harassed repeatedly at her home, uh, on the phone over the weekend by someone who had an elections-related grievance or, or, or problem. Another head of a county elections told me that a member of her staff was followed to her car in a parking lot after hours by someone who was angry about an electoral issue, and then finally. It was someone who told me that just uh, last December, after the 2022 election, she was actually physically um, attacked in her place of work at a county elections office. They had to call the sheriff. Fortunately, the sheriff was in that very building. Um, but it's that kind of thing. Now, it's, it's it's fairly isolated. I gave you three examples. They're, they're important ones. So I can't say um, that it's everywhere all the time, but we want to keep it isolated. And so we thought it was time, and a lot of folks did, to update our laws, to make it clear if it wasn't already, that um, you're going to face some enhanced penalties if you mess with people in that way. Now, We've got a First Amendment in this country. Absolutely. Everyone's got a right to be mad about something. Everyone's got a right to express themselves, to use salty language, whatever you want to do. No one's looking to... Uh, Uh, You know, target, that kind of thing. But there are limits, right? Um, You can do it in an expressive way, but you can't harass or threaten someone just as in any other workplace. And so we wanted to make clear that that's the case here, too.
0: You talked about this being uh, bipartisan. A lot of these issues, these election laws that were passed into law in the last session, um, there's got to be some opposition. And I suspect if it were on a national level, a lot of opposition, again, talking about disinformation and misinformation. Some people think that with more people being able to vote, there's just a bigger chance of voter fraud out there. How would you answer that?
2: that? I don't think that's true generally, and it's definitely not true in Minnesota. You look over the last 50, 60 years when we've opened up the door and allowed more people opportunities to vote more easily. It has not been accompanied by an increase in any voter misconduct or wrongdoing or fraud. We in Minnesota, the level of any of those things, um, fraud, misconduct, etc., is so microscopic. We regularly monitor this from the court system, from our prosecutors. We get all that information. And I'll give you an example. We don't have all the information yet from the 2022 election, about six, seven months ago or so. But in the 2020 election, when we got 57 million people in Minnesota, we had 3.3 million voters. The number of actual proven cases of misconduct or fraud or wrongdoing was 17. That's 17 out of 3.3 million. Now, that's 17 more than we want it to be. All of us want it to be zero, of course. But you got to put that in some perspective. That is a tiny, tiny microscopic level of wrongdoing. And so I expect the same to continue. And the reason is, we have security features in Minnesota law that very few, if any, states have, that we've been complimented for, that we've been um, uh, called out uh, for in a good way. And none of these new laws um, disturb that. So those are going to uh, keep up going forward as we head in the 2024 presidential election. But um, I think we, we, we get the balance right in Minnesota, and that balance is going to continue with these new laws.
0: Uh, Secretary Simon, I think every time I talk to you, I ask you this, but I'm sure there's always a need for more and more people to get involved in, uh, to become election judges, to become involved. As right. as most of us know, when you go to vote, it's a lot of older folks, which is wonderful, yeah. but you probably need new people. How would you, what would you say right. to our listeners about uh, what's needed here and why they should do something like that?
2: Yeah, thank you for that invitation. So in Minnesota, we call our poll workers election judges. They don't wear black robes. They don't have a gavel in their hand like a judge. But we call them election judges. And I like that title because they are judges in many ways. They're committed to fairness, not any particular side. They're committed to absolutely down-the-middle fairness. They take an oath to that effect as well. And by the way, being an election judge is a paid opportunity, not a volunteer job. Some people think these are all volunteers. They're not. They're paid. Uh, you need to do two hours of training almost everywhere that can be done online. You're paid for that as well. And then on election day, uh, having been trained, you're helping to run the polling place. You're joining friends and neighbors. Remember, our office, the office of the Secretary of State, we don't count a single vote ever. That all happens in townships and cities and counties across Minnesota. And that teamwork is what really, really makes our election system particularly good and particularly effective. So if folks are interested in a paid opportunity, they should, my advice would be to contact their local unit of government, their township or their city first. In some occasions, um, it's the county that will reach in and help recruit, but primarily it's townships and cities. And remember, in Minnesota, we have a law that says you can do this job as an election judge as young as 16 years old. You can get extra credit, Certainly get paid just like everyone else, but it's a great opportunity for young people as well. So starting at age 16, you can be an election judge and it's a paid opportunity through your city or through your township. We need folks. We need 30,000 people every general election. 30,000. That's a small army to do that very important job. But you know what? Every year, year after year, we've gotten them, including during the pandemic, including in that really um, difficult, challenging year of 2020. We got the 30,000. And we did it because I think people understand the importance of that job. And so I urge all of your listeners who are interested in a fantastic, interesting experience, one that is paid, to seek out information about being an election judge.
0: That's Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon telling us about changes in election law. Thanks so much for your time today.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Between You and Me podcast on KAXE, made possible by the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and the citizens of Minnesota, with music by Sam Milton.